Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm blessed and uh, thankful to be here. Um, super excited. You know, I've been thinking about this message that I believe the Lord put on my heart for you all week. And uh, the closer I have got to the Sunday, the more excited I've become. And just being here now and worshiping the Lord with you has really got me uh, pumped up. I, I believe the Lord wants to do something in your life. Uh, I believe this is going to be an, an awesome morning together. And um, I don't like to set expectations too high before I preach because now the bar is all the way up here. But it's not about me. Uh, it's about Jesus. And I think the Lord wants to do something. Um, before we actually get into the message, let me share uh, this with you. You know, I've spoken here uh, several times probably I don't know, five to ten times uh, I've been with you guys as a missionary. And a few years ago, um, you had asked me to come and speak as a part of your mission's focus on generosity and giving. And I shared a message on, uh, you know, faith promise giving, missions, basically about giving money. And um, I used uh, a metaphor of sowing seed. Um, I'm not going to ask if anybody remembers that because, uh, you know, probably nobody does. And that's fine. I totally get it. Um, but this morning, um, and, and you guys are on a missions focus, so I think this is, is really appropriate. I want to talk with you about evangelism or soul winning, whatever name you want to choose. Basically, having God use you to bring your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers closer to Jesus. And as I thought about this message, the metaphor, again, that popped up in my mind was sowing seeds. And so we're going to talk about sowing seeds, but not money seeds, sowing the gospel. And maybe the Lord wants you guys to grow and understand what it means to be a farmer or something. I don't know why I keep teaching on this, but the message today is going to be called the power of the seed. And, um, you know, speaking of farming, if you go back in time, probably, what, 100, 150 years ago, 90% of Americans were farmers. They either were on the farm or they supplied the farmer. They understood farming. How many of you here today are farmers currently? So there's none of us that are farmers. Around you, bringing them closer to Christ. And um, I want to pray and, and then jump into the word. Before I pray, we're going to look at Luke chapter 8. So if you want to open there, I'll give you guys a moment. The entire message will come from Luke chapter 8. And we're going to begin in just a moment in verse 4, but let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word that is powerful, it is true, and it is life. And I pray that you will speak to our hearts today through your word. We pray that the message that I share will affect eternal change in the lives of those around us. Uh, Lord, I pray that this will not be a good sermon. I pray that it will be a message that's from you, infused with the Holy Spirit, that will um, truly and literally lead to people coming to know Jesus Christ for all eternity. And that is impossible for us to, uh, to see happen outside of your Holy Spirit. But with you, all things are possible. So may your Holy Spirit anoint me now to share this message that is on my heart. And bless this incredible church and this wonderful pastoral family. We thank you for it, and we ask it in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Amen. So Luke chapter 8, we're going to look at a very famous parable. Um, I'm sure you've heard it before, so let's try to not tune it out. Let's really listen to it closely. Let's think about this deeply, what Jesus is saying to you this morning through the parable of the sower. Verse 4. A large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, and he told them this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it, and it choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on the good soil. It came up, and it yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, his disciples asked him what the parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables. Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe. And be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who hear the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns, well, this stands for those who hear the message, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word, they retain it, and by persevering, they produce a crop. All right, let's stop right there. Three main parts of this story. The main part of the parable is the seed. And of course, what is the seed? The seed is the word of God. It is the gospel that we share and that we follow. The farmer in this is, or the sower, uh, is uh, the man or woman that is sharing Jesus Christ, sharing the word of God with people around him. And the soil is what? The soil represents our hearts. And it's interesting because there's four different conditions of the heart in this parable. Let's look at that and think about it. I've seen over the years many of the soil, number one, And Jesus told us exactly what that is. This is people that family members, friends, co-workers, you talk to them about the Lord, you share Jesus, you you plant the seed, and they are like those that are on the side of of the path, and they hear it, but immediately the devil snatches it away. They don't even consider it deeply. It's, uh, It's like water running off a duck's back, you know? You just... It doesn't even penetrate the soil at all. 
It's beside the path, and the, and the birds eat it. And, of course, Christ said that's like the devil. He snatches it from their heart. I've also met a lot of no, soil number two. Um, soil number two is a person that hears the word and actually receives it with joy. Did you catch that? They get excited about it. Wow, this is good news. And they begin to talk about it, and they begin to celebrate, and they begin to rejoice. But this is the soil that is upon a rock. And so as you guys know, or maybe you don't know, and maybe I don't even know this because none of us are farmers, but a farmer would know this. A seed has to have a certain depth of soil to really penetrate and to have a root system and produce fruit. And because it's a rocky ground, that it germinates, it comes up a little, but there's, the roots can't go down and truly penetrate, so this plant eventually dies. The seed germinates, but the plant dies. And the Lord, of course, said that these are the people that are really zealous for their new faith. They're excited about Jesus. But when a time of testing comes, and Pastor, you just talked about testing and hard times that some of us are going through. When these times come in their lives, they leave the faith. The, the, the plant dies. Do you know anybody like that? People you've shared with, family members, they got excited about Jesus, but as soon as they were tested, the plant died. And then there's number three, and I've seen many soil number three in my life. We share the gospel, you plant the seed of the word, it comes in their heart, and they also experience germination. The seed germinates, it goes down in the soil, but this was the seed that was among the thorns. Did you catch that? And what are the thorns? Jesus says what they are. The worries, the riches, the pleasures of this world. And so as that plant begins to grow up, all of these thorns choke it out. You can't have a good tomato plant if you plant it among thorns. The thorns are very aggressive. They will dominate and choke it out and they'll kill it. But then I've seen a lot of soil number four. And soil number four is the good soil. These are the young men and women, or old men and women, that hear the word of God for the first time. That seed gets planted, it germinates, it's watered, and it grows and grows and grows and becomes a beautiful plant. And did you notice that our Lord said, it produces a crop 100 times. That's exponential. 100 times fruit. Now, I'm going to share this morning from this passage uh, four, well, three nuggets of wisdom, and we'll see if, if I get to number four. But if you're going to write down anything this morning, this is what I think you should write down. You want to get out your phone. You want to put it in your notes. You want to put it on a piece of paper. You don't have to do this, but I think they're important. I think they're good. Of course, I came up with it. Uh, you can judge for yourself if you think it's good. Um, but here are the nuggets of wisdom. Nugget of wisdom number one from our Lord's parable is this. The seed is always the same. The seed is always the same. What we are planting in people is the word of God that is unchangeable. It has never changed. It is eternal. And um, it's the condition of the soil that determines what that seed actually grows into. It has nothing to do with the seed. The seed is good. The seed is the word of God. My life is a living testimony to the power of the seed. 
was thinking about this even during worship. And I, I told Pastor, I, I tapped him on the shoulder, and I said, man, you guys have the most amazing spirit of worship in this church. Tammy and I have spoken at, you know, 50 churches, 100 churches in Michigan. We see everything. Um, and, and, we, and there's everything. <laughs> Let me tell you. We won't go there. And we pastor a church. I'm a missionary, which I'll get to a little bit. I pastor a campus ministry at the University of Michigan. So we're in a church, and I speak at churches. You guys have such a great uh, spirit of worship. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. I was thinking, I, I would love to be a part of this church. Like, li- literally, like this, I'm not impressed by big numbers. I'm impressed by a, the, a good heart, a pure heart. And there's a heart for worship here. It's amazing. And as you are worshiping, the reason why I'm sharing this is not just to affirm the pastor, because he already has a big head. He doesn't need that. Um, but, you know, that's not true. I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, we talk on a regular basis, so I can be funny with Pastor Evan. But um, the reason I share that story is because the Lord was really ministering to me as we were worshiping this morning. And I was just brought back to childhood in the midst of worship. I don't know if you've ever had experiences like this. You're having a beautiful time of worship, and it's like the Lord will show you things prophetically in the Spirit. And I, I saw myself just as a little child. And see, I wasn't raised in a uh, Christian home. I was born in, into a world of, with good mom and dad, but they were not going to church. And so I had no encounter with Jesus. Like these, these young uh, kids here are blessed. I never experienced that. I never went to church. I never prayed. I didn't see people pray. I didn't even know what it was. But I had um, godly grandparents that, um, and, and when I say that, I don't mean to say my parents weren't godly because they would consider themselves Christian, but they just didn't take me to church. And so as a kid, I never had anything spiritual in my life. But I remembered, and I was thinking of this during worship, going to my grandparents' house. I remember going to my uh, maternal grandparents, uh, Grandma and Grandpa Gallagher, Irish. Got some Irish here, I'm sure. Yeah, they're proud. And so my grandma, when you'd go to her house, she had a big Bible that was um, sitting on the coffee table right in the uh, living room. And I remember being fascinated by that, looking at it, wanting to touch it, just thinking, what is this book? Um, they had a spare bedroom where they had a um, picture of Jesus Christ's face. It was one of the most famous, like, American icons of Jesus. You would know it if I showed you. It's like a profile of Christ with a halo, like a light around him. And I would go in that room, and I remember I would get in there alone, and I would just look up. You could picture little Nino, you know. I was just a little kid, and I would just look up at that face. It would draw me. Those were seeds that were planted in my heart. That was a seed. That was the word of God, a picture of the word of God. Um, I would go to my paternal grandparents, the Garisco family. They were Italian uh, immigrants from Sicily, so they're Catholic, and, and no surprise there. And so they had, like, crucifixes in every room. They had a statue of Mary. They had the whole thing. And I would go over there, and I remember as a kid, I would just look at their um, crucifixes. I would look at, at Mary, and I would think. It just was like drawing me to this higher reality, and I wanted to know truth. I was seven years old, but I wanted to know my purpose. Those were seeds that were planted in my heart as a little boy. One time I was talking to my mom. Uh, it's probably this guy's age right here. And, you know, if you got a good mom, every boy loves their mama. And I remember I looked at my mom, and I said, Mom, you're perfect. And I don't, 
know why my mom said this, but she said, oh, honey, no one's perfect but Jesus. I was like, whoa, what does this mean? And it really impacted. But see, she planted a seed in my heart, the soil of my heart. Unfortunately, I, I wasn't going to church, but the seeds were there. Had not fully germinated, but they were being planted. But uh, I went to get my first job. And I, I probably shared my testimony here, but I love to share my story, so I'll share a little bit more of it. I got a job at McDonald's. 16 years old, got my first job. I was so proud. And they put me in the grill area. I was making uh, hamburgers. What's that? Oh, yeah, I got paid three thirty-five an hour. It was right after two eighty-five. They bumped it up to three thirty-five. Now, gas was 80 cents a gallon, and my parents' house was 20000 So, you know, probably it was more than, than you get paid now. So, um, but I got my first job. And I was so excited, and, um, you know, the Lord placed a young man at that company for me, and his name was John Marucci. He was probably 19 or 20 years old. I was 16, but he had been converted to Jesus Christ recently, and he was a farmer. He was the sower that we read about, and he would sow the seed in my heart. When we would work together, he would talk about Jesus with me, and I was a partier, and I was living like most young people, you know? I didn't know any better. Just getting drunk. I'd come to work high. I just, that's what I did. That's all I did. I just, I was like, man, you're ruining my buzz. Let me just eat the, steal the chicken nuggets and I've got the munchies. But, but no, it, it wasn't just that. I, I'm trying to be funny. I mean, but it probably did ruin my buzz at sometimes. But, but I want you to know that I was hungry for truth and I appreciated John. And so I would ask him questions about Jesus. And I remember he said, come over to my apartment sometime. We'll talk. He made me, you know, he knows the way to my heart. So he made me pasta and meatballs. He was Italian too. His name was Marucci. And uh, we sat at a table and he talked to me about being saved. He talked to me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is, if I'm remembering correctly, which I didn't have a clue about that. I didn't even know Jesus yet. But he was going to a, a vineyard church. Anybody heard of the vineyard? That was a part of the, the church. He was a part of it. And he just was an amazing and he planted seeds. And one seed he sowed, he, he told me, Nino, you need to get a Bible. Because we didn't have a Bible in my house. The only Bible we had, remember I told you, was my grandma Gallagher's family size. It was as big as this pulpit. And no one ever touched it. I thought you'd die if you touched it. I thought it was like, holy, you get touched, you're struck by electricity. I just looked at it. It was like I venerated this thing. Don't touch it. So he said, you need a Bible and you need to read the red and I asked him, what in the heck does that mean? What are you talking about? He said, the words of Jesus Christ are in red ink in the New Testament. Okay, great. He wrote down on a piece of paper, you know, buy this Bible, and he gave it to me. He left McDonald's, um, I think, in 1987. And I didn't know what had happened to him. But uh, I just kept living in the world, pursuing, you know, the, the, the passions of this world, the lust of, of the flesh that I was living for. But in my heart, that seed was there, and it was always like a, it was always there. And I just thought about sometimes, sometimes, most of the time I didn't. And then 1988, I continued to, my friends and I broke the law all the time, uh, unfortunately. Uh, not proud of that, but eventually we got caught for something, and I was facing a serious criminal charge. And a very serious, multiple years in prison is what would happen to me if I was convicted. Like 10 years in prison. And I was 18. 
And um, I remember that was a wake-up call for me, and I, I just laid in my bed uh, thinking about it, and I didn't know what to do. And I thought, this is not what I'm supposed to do in life. This is not me. You know, this is not, I mean, I know I'm not a good, great person, but what I did was out of character, and I don't understand what's going on in my life. And I said, I need to read the Word of God. I, and I, and, and, you know, there's a, and, and so I, let me say this first. So I asked my mom to buy a Bible for me because we didn't have a Bible in my house. And if you knew my mom like Tammy does, this wouldn't shock you at all. This is no exaggeration. It's probably about 20 minutes it took her. She comes into my room. She goes, here's the Bible. I said, here's a Bible? We don't have a Bible. She goes, I ran down to the Bible bookstore. I bought it for you, and I brought it back, and here it is. I mean, again, I mean, when your son's facing a felony and he asks for a Bible, you're going to get him a Bible. She said, here you go. And it was a King James Bible, and it was red-letter edition. So I opened up to Matthew, and I saw all this red, and I thought, well, this is where I should start. John said, remember, he planted the seed. John said, read the red. I'm going to read the red. I started reading Matthew chapter 1, 2, 3, 4. I think I made it to chapter 5 or 6. If you know the, the um, gospel according to Matthew, you, some of you know what chapter 5 and 6 and 7 are. That's the Beatitudes. Beautiful passage. It's, just, it's almost all red. So I'm like, man, I hit the jackpot. I'm mining for red. I found red. It's all red. And when the Lord, when I heard the, the words from our Lord, it just pierced my heart. There's a psalm that says, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. And, you know, you can think of that many ways. Like this morning, Pastor Evan led us in prayer for people that are, like, crying to God out of the depths of suffering. Maybe you're in a hard time, a trial. It's a deep, you feel like you're in the deep waters. You ever felt like that where the waters are crashing over you and you just feel like you're in the deep water and so you cry to the Lord? And I think that's one incredible application of that passage of Psalm. We cry out of the depths. But there's another interpretation that, that I've seen in my life is, out of the depths of my soul, I cry to God. Not every time I pray, it's crying out of the depths. There's a few times I've cried out of the depths. Do you know what I mean by that? Where it's, usually it's in suffering. There's been a few times, and this was the first time when I experienced traumatic suffering from my own stupidity and sin, and I'm facing prison, and I cried out of the depths. There was no illusion, nothing fake. I wasn't trying to impress my buddies. It was out of the depths of my soul. I cried, and I literally cried. I, I literally began to bawl as I read the words of Jesus, and it was like this hard heart broke, and uh, that seed germinated. You know how a seed will crack open for the roots to come down? It would crack. That seeds had been planted. It cracked, and the root went down in my soul, and I began to cry. And I remember, and I know I cried because I was thinking to myself as an 18-year-old, I feel like such a girl right now. I couldn't stop crying. No offense, females. And, but I just, I'm just telling you as a young man, I was like, oh, this is so not cool. Kind of feels good, though. <laughs> you know, this could be misinterpreted in today's world. I don't mean it that way. But what I'm trying to say is the softening of my heart felt good. And, I, and it, was, it was almost like I was returning back to that earlier days when I was a child, when I wasn't so hardened over by layers of sin. And, and you know, on the hard soil, when you're just a little boy and you can cry and your soul, your heart is tender, and then it gets hard and hard, and it just broke my heart. I cried to him. Now, and as they say, the rest is history. And I began to tell all my friends, your life is effed up. You need to come to Jesus. I mean, I was rough and raw, and I witnessed everybody, everything. They thought I was crazy because the seed had germinated. 
Now, let me tell you, and I, I think I talked about this with you guys, so we're going to test you. I have a bag here of, uh, don't be scared. This is, this is clean. This is, uh, I don't know why I'm joking like this in church. I sh- it's not funny. So, maybe the old Nino has to die still a little more. Don't look at me like you're innocent. We all have a past, don't we? Every, every saint has a past. Some of us a little more colorful. Pastor. Um, this is a, a bag of apple seeds. Man, I want to get one of these out. I'm going to give it to the kids here because I like kids. Hey, we're having our second grandkid. Yes. Okay, I got something for, for these kids here. Let me uh, give it to you right there. See that? Right there. You know what that is? That's an apple seed. Now, how many seeds do you think are in an apple? On average. Five, six. I asked for, I asked Tammy, how many seeds are in here? I, I was eating an apple yesterday and there was six. She was right. Now, typically four, five, six seeds in an apple. Um, let me get one of these. Now, if you heard me teach this last time I was here, don't spoil it and give the answer. Does anybody remember this? Or maybe I didn't say this last time. Okay, if I did, don't spoil it. Six seeds in an apple, right? Okay. Kids, how many apples are in this seed? How many apples are in one seed? What do you think? Okay, big kids. A lot. I like that. Infinite. It's infinite. There's an infinite number of apples in one seed. And um, if, if, if this seed is planted in the right soil, remember this message is about the soil. The word of God is always the same. Not every apple seed is good, but for our analogy here, we're going to say it's a good seed. If you plant it in the right soil with the right conditions and you water it, it will produce an apple tree, right? And that apple tree, after five, ten years, and you prune it, will begin to grow an apple. And that apple will have six seeds. And then you could take that, those six seeds and plant them, and you have six more trees. You understand what I'm saying? And then eventually that one, that original tree will have five, ten, fifty, a hundred apples, thousands of apples. And all those apples have seeds that you will plant. And so an entire apple orchard comes from one seed. That's the power of the seed. And it's the same thing with the Word of God. The power of the Word of God is so powerful that when planted in the right heart, it will become an orchard. It will become a vineyard, an entire forest of glory to our Lord. So this leads to number two. So you had principle number one, right? The, word, the seed is always the same. Here's nugget number two. I just said it. I, I, I got ahead of myself. Number two, one seed has the power and potential to produce an entire forest. One seed has the power and potential to produce an entire forest. You could also insert the word vineyard. Uh, thinking of grapes, you could insert the word orchard. But that one seed has so much power. Let me describe what I mean by principle number two. A- example. I told you how my family, John Marucci, and, and you know, my wife's story is the same thing. She, you had seeds planted in your heart when you were a girl, and it germinated when she was a freshman at University of Michigan. All of you do. 
and, and, and I shared my story, and I told you, when I came to Jesus, I began to tell everybody about Christ. It's like I was bold for Satan. Now I started getting bold for Jesus. That's just my personality. I'm passionate. So I started telling everybody about the Lord. And my friends thought I was crazy. <laughs> you know, I remember standing around beer kegs at the parties that I always went to talking about Jesus. And I remember them being like, why are you talking about the Lord? Just stop this. You know, you used to talk about girls. Now you talk about Jesus. What is this? And, uh, and I would tell them, I'm just so excited. You know, remember how we used to sit around and talk about, is there a God? And talk about, and talk about how far the stars are and all these crazy things when we were high and things. I said, I found the truth. His name is Jesus. You need him. Oh, man, be quiet. Shut up. Well, one guy named Chris Norman he listened, and he had. A, and Chris Norman's father had been converted to Jesus when he was in his 30s, I believe. And so this, Chris Norman's father had planted seeds for the gospel, but they hadn't germinated, and Chris and I were best friends. He used to drive, he would come and pick me up in his 1985, I think it was, Plymouth Duster. Three on the tree. Nobody even knows what that means. Anybody know what I mean? Three on the tree? Three on the tree. The car broke down every night. Every time we'd go, he would open the, the trunk. He'd go in. I don't know if it was a carburetor or something. And he'd fix it. He'd and then everybody, and then all of my friends would be like, Woo, Mr. Goodwrench, all right. And we'd drive off again into the night. He'd, he'd pick us up. We'd be packed. We'd put like seven, eight guys in that duster. And that was Chris Norman. He partied with me. But... He, he had seeds that had been planted, and then I was converted. And he's like, what is going on with Nino? And I began to plant seeds. I began to, to plant seeds in his heart. I remember him being at my house in my basement, and I got out that Bible that I talked to you about, the red letter edition, and I showed it to him, and I had highlighted scriptures. I said, look at this. Read it. Like, it's, like it's, tears are on it from, from me crying. Like, look at this. Oh, and he was genuinely interested. We were 18, 19. Chris Norman went to England uh, to find himself, because you know that's what American young people had to do back then. You know, backpack, and you're going to go find yourself. Stupid. But they go, they go out to hostels and go find themselves. I don't know. So they, they would find themselves in Europe. So he had long hair, big beard. It's, if you saw him now, you'd, it's hilarious. He doesn't look like that. But when he was there, he stayed in the home with a family that I believe they were uh, Anglican believers. And, um, and in the midst of his time in England, he, uh, he read a pamphlet, like a witness pamphlet, and began to open up the scriptures for himself. And he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. He became a believer. We went to the University of Michigan. He, I was so pumped. We went to U of M together. He was my roommate. And then while he was a senior at U of M, he was called into ministry. He said, you know, he was planning to go to law school within a year, and he said, I'm being called to ministry. So he changed his plans, went to seminary, and um, went to Fort Wayne, Indiana, and started pastoring a church with a a senior pastor. He's been there 30 years. He's the lead pastor now of of Grace Gathering Church. Uh, Amazing, soul-winning church. They now have three different sites from his church. They're focused on sowing the seed of the gospel. That's Chris and Tammy, and I know him. He's my best friend. He loves sowing seeds of the gospel. They've seen hundreds and hundreds. There were almost 1,000 people in that church at one time, and now they went to a multi-site approach. 
um, our daughter that is having our second grandchild goes to that church. That's her and her husband's church. And there's been so many people that have come to Jesus. That's the power of the seed. One seed. It goes from you, your soul, to another soul. And it has the power to become a whole forest. There's people that we don't even know. When you share the gospel, when you plant the seed in people, you won't know the impact until eternity, but you will see it. It will happen because some of that seed will fall on good soil. Tammy and I see this multiplied all the time because we're campus missionaries. And I'm excited to hear that you have Sarah and Daniel coming. They're also campus missionaries down the road at Eastern Michigan. Go Eagles. I like them now because Imani Bates is playing for their team. Yeah, he is. Yeah. But I just want to tell you that Tammy and I see this happen all the time because we're missionaries on a very strategic ministry, mission field. Um, I was speaking with Pastor Evan uh, this morning, and we were talking about um, just some of the, the crazy craziness in culture, and I won't even go into it, but you guys are aware of like the, some of the woke things, right? You're familiar with it. And I looked at him, I said, that's from the university. That's where it came from. See, the, like your boss, or your higher up at, at Fifth Third, they learned that at the university. And so we, Tammy and I have known that if you want to change the world, you have to change the students at the university. You know, you're like, you guys work at Ford. You're like, wow. Why? I, I talked to somebody It was Ford. He was just complaining, like, we got the craziest meeting. They make us go through all this crazy training. And it's like indoctrination. He's like, this is the weirdest thing. It's from the university. And then they become in these positions, and then they, they, they go all, they drill it all the way down under them. So this is why I believe that the most strategic mission field in, on the planet is the university. And if you can reach these students for Jesus, you're reaching not only, you're planting not only a seed in that one heart, but in the entire company they will lead, in the entire classroom they will teach in, in the entire family that they will, they will lead. Do you see what I mean? And then think about this. At the University of Michigan, go blue. Hey, we had a good year. Yes, we, it, we were very disappointing in the playoffs. But U of M was pretty good. I see that. We got U of M shirt. Yes, we get fired up. Um, we did good, uh, but we're, my wife and I are at the University of Michigan as missionaries, and you, you might not know this, but we have over 100 different nations of people there. Pick, take a pick. It's all there. Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, France, Ecuador, Romania, China, Korea, Japan, Bhutan, India, Sri Lanka, Indonesia, I mean, you go, we have 10,000 students from other nations. So we are sowing these seeds literally in the hearts of people that will potentially change nations for Christ. And we're seeing it. It's, it's incredible. We're seeing, I can't tell you, I know I'm out of time. I would love to tell you these, like, how the seeds are germinating. But just to let you know, like, students are being saved. Christian students are being saved from the university, too. And that's part of my, my mission is not just to win the loss, but that when your kids go there, they have a community to grow as a disciple and to, and to become a sower. And we're seeing that. We've seen several people go into missions and many, many more go in the marketplace for Christ. It's incredible. 
Um, one of our guys, uh, Derek, is graduating in May. He just got a position from Amazon. He's a computer coder. And so Amazon hired him, wanted him. He can now witness to other Amazon workers for Jesus Christ. And he'll do it. He's that kind of a guy. Amazing opportunity. We, Amazon needs Jesus, right? Amen. And faster delivery. Just kidding. Can't get any faster. That'd be instant. Order it, it's here. They're good at logistics, but they need Jesus. It's more important. Um, so anyway, I just want to, to kind of land this ship by challenging you and, and, and reminding you of something that you've, you know, but maybe you've forgotten, that God loves Metro Detroit. He loves this place. He loves the city. He loves the people. He cares about every one of your um, neighbors. He cares about the kids in school. He cares about your coworkers. He loves them, and he can't reach them apart from you. It's not that God is unable to, because God can do anything he wants. He's all-powerful, but I don't know why. He set it up in such a way that we have the responsibility to be the farmer. I mean, he probably could have chose a better plan than me or you, you know, especially us. But he did. He chose us. We're the farmer. I don't know if you've noticed, Jesus went back into heaven. He ascended, and his body is Jesus Christ on earth, the church. That's you. If you don't sow, if you don't plant, nobody is. So I want to encourage you to recapture God's heart for Metro Detroit and for your families and plant seeds with your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors, your kids at school, your coworkers. Be a farmer. And who cares what they think? They might say, oh, you can't talk about that in here. Whatever. You know, you talk about everything else. I'm going to talk about Jesus. Just talk about Jesus. Plant seeds. Um, John Marucci was bold at McDonald's for Jesus, and here I am. And the seed is exploding, and it's growing from his faithfulness. So, and this leads to my final point. We're only going to do three nuggets. I wasn't sure. The fourth is not going to come. Fourth will not be here. Fourth is for next time I'm invited back in 20 years. The third nugget is this. Um, I got to get the seed here. So, kids, you have your seeds still? All right. Don't eat it. I heard that eating an apple seed is bad for you. At, At one church service, I said, if you eat the seed, the potential and the power is gone. And it won't bear fruit. So I just put it in my mouth and ate it. And like everybody gasped, oh, he ate an apple seed. I don't, they said it's like dangerous. Whatever. Who cares? Didn't hurt me. What, yeah, they said it's dangerous. But you have to eat uh, 10,000 of them or something. I'm like, okay. You think God would say, you ate an apple? Oh, shoot, I swallowed a seed on accident and I'm going to die. I mean, the congregation acted like I was dying. Like, what is wrong with you? They went white. So anyway, you can eat it, but ask your dad first. Um, so here's the third, this is the third, um, nugget of wisdom to, uh, to release the potential power of the seed. You must plant it to release. And I'll say it again, if you're writing it down to release the potential power of the seed, you must plant it. I found an article, um, yesterday on the internet, so it must be true. Uh, this is true because it's a gardening forum with like old ladies and old men that love to garden. I trust them. I don't trust most, most things I read on the internet. I trust these old gardeners. They have common sense. This woman was so excited. She, she blogged about this. She said, 
I had a tomato seed from the year 2000. Now, she wrote this blog in 2018. She said, I had this tomato seed, and it was in a bucket in my shed, and the conditions were cool, and it was okay for it. And I kept it for 18 years, and it sat in her shed. And she said, after 18 years, I planted this tomato seed, this apple seed, but we'll pretend. She planted a tomato seed. She watered it, and she was a gardener, and she was so pumped. And she's like, guess what? I have a tomato plant. And it germinated, and it grew. And I, I don't know if you about you, but I love tomato plants. Some of you are backyard garden. Anybody love tomato plants? I will, I will honestly, I'm Sicilian. My dad, loves, my dad is, grows them every year. He, he lived in an apartment. He grows tomatoes. It's just Sicilian. I like to take the leaf and I just rub it between my fingers and smell it. That's how much I love tomatoes. Anybody love the smell of tomato plants? It's just beautiful. It's weird, isn't it? I love it. And somebody got excited. This is a good then. Well, yep, there we go. And those red tomatoes are the glorious. Amazing. Slice them, put it on a cheddar cheeseburger with bacon. Getting hungry now, aren't you? Nice bun. Oh, and it and it all started from this 18-year-old seed. Now, the reason I'm telling you this story is because it demonstrates that the seed still had the power, right, and the potential, but it wasn't being put to use. So you have the seed. But if you never sow it, I mean, you, you think about the sower. I mean, at least the, some of the seed fell along the path, but at least the sower was trying. I mean, for many of us as Christians, we don't even sow it. We don't even plant it. So sow the seed, sow the seed. I'm always looking for opportunities to sow the seed. Let me be practical how you do it, and then I will close with this. I didn't ask, Pastor, when you guys end. Sorry. That's dangerous. Um, I was at Crunch Fitness. There's a young man there named Nick. He's 30 years old. I like this young guy. He's an Italian guy, so we've, we've connected on that. Um, my, my boys really like him, and so I want him to come to Jesus. And so we were... Um, I had had my workout. We were sitting down at these tables by the front uh, desk there. And I was talking to Nick about an injury he had. And um, he's all, I mean, if you, anybody lifts weights, you know, he's just constantly injured. You're just like, oh, well, I got to work on the legs now. So he had injured himself doing something. And, um, oh, he was doing a squat, a barbell squat. Has anybody ever done barbell squats? Okay. He was barbell squatting 350 pounds. And when he got down... He got in this position, and he pushed him forward, and instead of dropping it, he just lifted it up like this. So he did a good morning with 350 pounds because he couldn't get up. He was trapped, right? His legs gave out. So he's like, I'll just lift it up with my lower back. Well, it hurt his back. You know, at least he's 30. He'll be okay. If I did it, I'm done for the rest of my life. I'm done. Goodbye. See you later. I mean, it would have just folded me. I would have folded. I would just kiss the ground. So he hurt his back, and it's really troubled him. He's been bothered by this, and he likes to work out. He's a trainer. So we're at the table, and the Holy Spirit said to me, pray for him right now. And so you have to listen when the Holy Spirit says that, right? Maybe you're at work, and one of your employees needs prayer. And I, it, was, it was hard. I'm a pastor. I'm a missionary. And for me, I had to battle a little, oh, do I have to do it now? I can imagine some of you battle that too, right? And the Lord asked you to do something like that. So I had to think, how am I going to set this up? 
No, let me talk a little bit more about his injury. You know, procrastinate. How's it feeling? Okay, have you seen a doctor? Well, I hope you get better. He's like, yeah, me too. I said, you know what? Do you mind if I pray for you? He said, no problem. I said, all right, let me pray right now. So we just bowed our head, sitting right there, and I prayed for him. See, I'm planting a seed. That's a seed. I wouldn't be surprised if nobody's prayed for him for 10 years in person. I was connecting him to Jesus, sowing the seed, and I talked about the Lord. Then I sowed an amazing seed. I make, uh, don't ask me for any. I'm going to tell you something. My grandpa had a tradition from Sicily. They make homemade Italian sausage. But this is the real sausage. This is not what you get at Kroger. Just, you know, plot twist. Let me just ruin this for you. That's not Italian sausage. I don't know what it is. It's disgusting. So my grandpa made homemade Italian sausage. So I have his homemade Italian sausage stuffer from 100 years old. It's seasoned. It's, got, it's like an enterprise where you crank it like this. And it's put, oh, I, so I, got, I have a local butcher in Ann Arbor where I get this, the, the pork and I get the real casings and I mix up the, the seasonings with the anise, the fennel. I don't know if anybody likes Italian sausage, but I made 40 pounds last month. Oh, I'll make the links. It's amazing. So I said, hey, Nick, you want some Italian sausage? He's, he's a foodie, man. He loves, you know, millennials, they're foodies. I don't know you guys. They love good food. You know, from farm to table. So I brought him. So then after I prayed for him, I'm like, hey, I don't want to just pray. I want to, you know, be a good Christian. So I said, you want some Italian sausage? He goes, I love it. So I brought him in a pack of, uh, I think, 10 links, probably about three or four pounds. And uh, I said, I'll bring it to the gym. He was standing there waiting for me. Thank you. Oh, man, it's gone, I'm sure. I said, don't eat it in one sitting because he probably would. He's very big, super strong. So anyway, um, but that is sowing a seed, right? Some of you knit, knit for Jesus. You know, some of you, uh, you know, are into cars. Witness to people that are into cars. Figure out what people are into and then bless them, sow seeds. Let them know you're a Christian and talk about them. So um, I hope this is, is, is going to, to elicit change in us. Because as I prayed for this message, I really believe that people will come into the kingdom of God through the seeds that you sow. Your children, your grandkids, your neighbors, kids at school, what a joy. And thank God somebody sowed in us. Amen? Amen. So um, I'd like to, to close this in prayer, if I could, Pastor. I just kind of felt like maybe that would be the way to close and then turn it over to you. But I just want to, if you would join me in prayer that... Um, that God will use you greatly to sow seeds. And pray for my wife and I as we do this at the University of Michigan. Please remember us in prayer too. Father, we thank you that you sowed the ultimate seed by sending your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us how to live. And then he was crucified and he was buried in a tomb. That seed was sown. But that seed germinated and it exploded and destroyed the the grave and conquered the devil, conquered hell, and he has ascended back at the right hand of our Father. And I thank you that we have the honor and the privilege of sowing the seed now. So I pray that these uh, young men and women, these old men and women, all of us in here, from the youngest to the oldest, will sow seeds of the gospel tomorrow morning on Monday. And we pray 
that this seed will bear eternal fruit for all of eternity. We thank you for this wonderful church. Pray that you'll bless them and draw them close to yourself as they sow seed. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Hey, thanks, you guys. Well, Pastor, I'll just turn it over to you. But I got my seeds laying all over here. Man. <laughs> all right, I'm just going to quickly pray for them. I like the, uh, the seed is always the same. One seed has the power and potential to produce a forest. You got to plant the seed. You know, it's interesting, too, because in Scripture it says, sometimes we think, yeah, that maybe there's just not a harvest out there. But in Scripture it says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know, so it's like there is opportunities all around for us to cast the seed. So can you guys come up and we pray for you guys real quick? You guys raise your hand, lift your hand towards them. Let's just pray for them. Father, I just thank you for um, Nino and Tammy, and I thank you for the ministry that they're doing over at the universities, Father. I pray that you will empower them and equip them. And, Father, I pray that you'll give them supernatural wisdom um, to just minister in this uh, the spot that des- desperately needs you. I didn't realize that there were so many different uh, uh, people from all over the world uh, who are at the university, Father. And I just pray that um, that you'll make divine appointments where they're able to share and bring the right people to them to be their um, to, to be their uh, cupbearers, Father. I pray that their arm bearers, Father. I pray that you will um, just give them fresh vision and fresh. Um, ideas, Father, and uh, God, I just thank you for the, the word that Nino shared today. God, may you receive all the glory and the praise. Amen.